Carlos, thank you for covering the sermon last Sunday. And in fact, we're going to build a little bit off of that because um, uh, last week, Carlos uh, preached on the, the Ten Commandments. And, and he pointed out that these commandments were given to God's people while they were already on the journey towards the promised land. They had already been delivered. They had already been rescued. They had already been saved from uh, their situation in Egypt, their situation of slavery, and now they're in route to the promised land. And, and Carlos highlighted an extremely important aspect of the commands that it's important to understand that these commands help us understand how to accurately and genuinely convey the identity of God, who he is and what he's about. And we can do that through our words and our actions. And then he also pointed out that one of the things that we should not do is to take the Lord's name in vain, which means uh, in the original language to not lie or make false testimony or false witness about God, not lie about his character and who he is. Well, in just a matter of weeks in the life of Israel, they find themselves, the people of Israel find themselves pretty much disobeying the most important of these commands. They find themselves in a situation where they are going to deny God, they're going to deny his goodness, they're going to give false testimony about who he is as their creator and deliverer, and then they are going to do it in the most sacrilegious way possible at that particular time by making and worshiping a created being or a being that was actually fashioned in the image of another created being. So rather than worshiping the creator, they're now worshiping the creation. And uh, we, we're going to see some difficulties and problems with that. Today's text is Exodus chapter 32, if you want to turn there, uh, verses 1 through 14. And there's three points. The text kind of divides itself into three sections, and each section is more remarkable than the previous. The first section, verses 1 through 6, the people worship a golden bull calf and claim that it is the God that rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Then God's reaction to that is that he's going to totally destroy the people of Israel and that he's going to make a new people from Moses and his uh, descendancy. Kind of like the days of Noah, he's going to start over again. The third section, verses, seven through, uh, um, uh, verses 11 through 14, Moses goes to God and says, you can't do that. And he intercedes in behalf of the people. Even though he had a shot at being the main man, he turns that down and says, please have mercy on your people. And the most astounding thing of all, God listens to his prayer. And God hears him and decides not to totally destroy the people. So we're going to read through this text section by section. Uh, I'll be reading first from uh, Exodus 32, verses 1 through 6. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf or a bull calf, three years old, uh, a pretty large animal. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, 
O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early in the, the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Our, our text begins with Moses on the mountain. Uh, he's been there before, but this time it's taking a little bit longer, 40 days. Uh, keeping the time, uh, 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 the timing in perspective, it's been six months since they left Egypt. They've been going through the desert, and now 40 days that Moses has been up on the mountain. In putting it in today's terms, the pandemic started around six months ago. So back in March, we would have begun the journey. And 40 days ago would have been around the 1st of September. So for that long, since the 1st of September, the people have been at the foot of the mountain waiting there might be thunder, there might be lightning, there are clouds. They have no clue what's happening. Remember that the people had been conditioned to follow whenever God decided to move. The cloud moved and then they would move. And they were going through this process day after day expecting God to provide for them every single day what they needed. The manna, uh, the provision, the water, the, the, the guidance every single way, every single day during this time. And now... They've been waiting, sitting still, since the 1st of September, 40 days. And worse than, than, than not knowing where they were going to go, they didn't know what happened to Moses. They weren't sure where he was, and they weren't sure if he was coming back. And they got restless and impatient. We, we know about being impatient, don't we? We know about being restless. We know about wanting to get a move on. We're, we're so desirous to be back together as a church. We want to move forward. We want to put this horror behind us. And I think, at least in my, my, my life, um, when, when I make decisions, when I'm restless and impatient, they're not always the best decisions. Uh, Henry Nouwen, that we're going to quote at the conclusion of the lesson, wrote that waiting is the longest part of our existence here on earth and that there's actually a spiritual discipline to waiting. It's a discipline where God is forming us and we're growing while we're waiting and yet it's still so, so hard. They want someone in front. They want something they can see. They want something physical. And so they take matters literally into their own hands. Out of the gold that they had gotten from the Egyptians before they left Egypt, they now have this golden bull calf. They revert back to the gods they used to know, the gods in Egypt, the gods of their neighbors, their pagan neighbors. They claim that this animal was the representation of God, was the representative like Moses, who led them out of Egypt. Now notice that they weren't necessarily saying that this animal replaced God, but it was this animal along with God because Moses was God's representative. The animal was actually a replacement for Moses. Well, God is many things. 
And among those many things, he is a jealous God. And he didn't take kindly to this action on the part of the Israelites. So in verse 7 of Exodus 32, we read, The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me. Leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. And then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. The Lord God didn't go to all this trouble of rescuing the people, of fighting with Pharaoh, of sending the plagues, of, of appearing to Moses in the burning bush, of, of getting them through uh, the, the Red Sea, of, of providing manna and quail and doing all of this work simply for them to choose to worship a statue. When we choose the imitation of the Lord over the Lord himself, the forgery over the real deal, the knockoff over the real McCoy, Scripture calls that idolatry. And Scripture says God doesn't like that and that his wrath will come against those that practice idolatry because it's a grievous sin in his eyes. It's amazing that Moses manages to hold his tongue when God says, your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt. I'm sure Moses was thinking, wait, 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 wait a minute. These are your people. <laughs> These aren't my people. I was peacefully shepherding a, a, a flock when you called, uh, when you showed up. But he goes and, 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 and he listens to what God is saying. I don't know what you think about God's reaction about what he should do or his plan of action. Most people in today's world would be taken aback by this extremity, this stream reaction. I'm going to destroy everyone. You can find any number of books that will say this type of God is not a God that we want to serve because the God we want to serve is a God of only peace and gentleness and kindness and compassion. This type of reaction seems over-the-top, extreme, doesn't seem very godlike. Well, I, I think our reaction probably says more about us than it does about God. Um, because if you really think about it, uh, does, this, does our image of who God should be leave room for God to be him? Or does he have to shrink himself down to fit inside our heads? Is there a sense where God is so majestic and so sovereign that there are things he's going to do that we really don't understand and that we have to allow him to be God even though we don't understand and we don't necessarily agree? We've created a God that we want to domesticate, that we want to keep as a nice, safe pet that does everything exactly as we want it turns out God is not like that. God is a consuming fire, the scriptures tell us. God is an awesome, full of awe, majestic, sovereign, all-powerful God. 
The true Lord God is beyond what any of us can comprehend. And so it really shouldn't surprise us that there are things that we don't understand. And evidently Moses agreed with that assessment because immediately upon hearing God's plans, Moses says, wait, 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 wait. Verse 11, Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. Oh, Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought? Do you get that? He's saying, now these are your people. Why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains or wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger, O God. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying... I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. The Lord chooses not to bring down his wrath he chooses to be merciful. Now, mercy doesn't replace judgment for sin. Uh, Moses is going to grind up this golden calf and make the people drink it. Moses is going to call the Levites, and uh, uh, they are going to slaughter 3,000 men, we assume some of the more vocal uh, of the opponents and the, uh, uh, the, the, the individuals here. And, and then the Lord will still send a plague, but he didn't totally wipe out the community. The people's sin does not end with the wrath of God, but rather with the mercy of God. Uh, th this incident with the golden calf is, is hardly the last time in, in history that we humans thought we were doing things right when in fact we were messing things up in a royal way. We've been mistaking the Lord for things for centuries and we haven't stopped we have convinced ourselves that we are being true to God in the way we accumulate wealth, in the way we spend our money, in the way we choose things over people, in the way we choose some people over others, in the way we demean certain people or certain sexes, in the way we are convinced that our ideas are not only the correct path, but the only path, in the way we value success, in the way we think we know what is best, even better than God himself. We have a long history of that kind of thinking. And thankfully, thankfully, God doesn't destroy us each time we substitute something for him or each time we add something to him. Since we are so set on seeing God and seeing something that we can follow, he sent Jesus to be the incarnation of God himself, to be the very living image of God, and he showed us how we should live and how we should act. And we witnessed God's priorities, values, his self-sacrifice, his generosity. God's love and compassion came to us up close and personal. Henry or Henri Nouwen, he was French, French priest, in his diary one day wrote, I love Jesus, but I want to hold on to my friends even when they do not lead me closer to Jesus. I, I love Jesus, but I want to hold on to my own independence 
when it brings me no real freedom. I love Jesus, but I do not want to lose the respect of my professional colleagues, even though their respect does not make me grow spiritually. I love Jesus, but do not want to give up my writing, my travel, my speaking plans, even when they are often more to my glory than to God's. As humans, we're in this ongoing struggle. How do we truly let God be God? The last verse of our scripture, and the Lord repented. The Lord changed his mind. The Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of, bringing upon his people. And rather than giving us the wrath we deserve, the Lord gives us Jesus. And that is the good news for today. May God bless you and God bless your families as we continue to wait, albeit impatiently, as we continue to wait for the moment when we move forward. God bless you. Our brother Jeff Hinson is here, and he will now come and uh, lead us through some thoughts uh, of who is on our prayer list and how we can pray for them today.